the bank actually investigated me. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. You'd be I coming up in, with these fat wads. No, I brought in I brought in twenty thousand dollars worth of ones, fives, tens, twenties, and fifties, and like the occasional hundred, in a plastic bag, <laughs> like a ziplock, like a like a big ziplock bag. You hadn't learned <laughs> discretion. You hadn't, you hadn't learned discretion just yet. No, yeah. no. And I I walked in and I was like, hey, I need a cashier's check, made out to this person for you know twenty two thousand dollars in cash. <laughs> Welcome to the Passion DJ Podcast. I'm your host, Mo Dingo. With me always is David Michael. Yo. And the one and only Tony DeSero. What up? What up? And today we have a local Ohio artist, Mitch, Mitch James. James. Yeah, there it is. Yep. <laughs> two first names. What's up, names. man? How you doing? Yeah, you can't play poker with this guy. He's got no. two first names. No. Samesies. It's okay. Yeah, just yeah. like David Michael. Exactly. So, uh, Tony told us we needed to talk to you because, you know, like I said, you're Ohio through and through. You work with him with uh, with PSG, yeah. Prime Social Group. Um, Tony, do you want to talk a little about Prime Social Group for those that uh, might not be familiar? It's just a company that throws festivals and concerts all over the United States, based out of Columbus, Ohio, and internationally, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we do a little Barcelona, international, Barcelona, yeah. Mexico. Yeah, kind of dipped our toe in yeah. other places, but yeah, yeah, no, I've been with them since I was like sixteen. So I've known Tony since I was about sixteen. So yeah. what does been been with them? So what did you start doing? Yeah. So um, I started I started selling tickets for okay. Breakaway like 15, 16. Just um, part of the street team, just hustling. So yeah, I was just hustling and selling tickets in high school. And uh, about six months into selling tickets, I started interning in office. And um, yeah, from there it was just you know started doing a little artist hospitality. Started you know kind of working my way up, and then started working the festivals and uh, definitely paid my dues, but. You know, I got my foot in the door in the music industry and opened a lot of doors with, you know, DJing. And what made else. you want to take that step to try and uh, do the intern? Like, what was it about uh, PSG that you saw? You're like, I want to try and get involved with that. I mean, honestly, like it was the whole fact of the matter that Breakaway was like the festival and still is the festival in Columbus. Like there's no there's no really other and like that's why i like like the company so much is because it's these festival they they throw these festivals in these markets that don't usually get you know artists like the chain smokers mm -hmm. and elenium and future and all of these artists to come to these cities and with breakaway and through like this it opened up the opportunity for like high school kids like me to go see their favorite artists and not have to travel so they're hitting smaller markets with big market talent exactly okay yeah which is super cool and i you know i loved the way the company was structured and i loved you know everyone in it and i still love everybody who i have worked with and still work with dearly so you know it was just a place that i wanted to be a part of and you know met a lot of people through there and i'm still close with pretty much everyone i've met through so did you was your first exposure like going to these shows or um so i actually i went to haunted fest and that was like before i even knew what psg was mm -hmm. I actually I snuck in to Haunted Fest. Shh, <laughs> shh. Um, Dom, Dom, you didn't hear that, man. <laughs> no, yeah. So I snuck into Haunted Fest, and because I was too young. Oh, and okay. Oh, so it wasn't like you you like hopped a fence. No, or anything. like no, okay. like I like I you know weaseled my way in to the door. Um, and Which I can kind of see because it gets that front door gets no, mad it gets packed. packed. Yeah. It gets packed. And I'm sure I've let a couple people that weren't supposed to be in the show in. Too, uh, uh, so. yeah. Sorry, Dom. Yeah, I've <laughs> been on both sides of that transaction. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, no, it happens to the best of us. But yeah, no, I snuck into Haunted Fest. And it was my first Prime Social event. And who was there? 
Uh, so Galantis was headlining that mm. year, which is funny because two years after that, I was direct support for Galantis and nice. sold out Bluestone. So it was like full circle, which is weird because like the whole entire DJing thing, it's like exactly year or like certain artists like have like pinpointed like the biggest moments in the career. So like Haunted Fest was my biggest when I did Haunted Fest two years in a row, 2019, 2020. 2020 was the biggest crowd I've played in front of. And that was also the first, you know, electronic concert experience that I had. Hmm. So it was a cool, it's like a cool comeback, like, moment. Did you have, like, uh, I guess, what was your um, early musical influence? And, like, did, I mean, did you play any instruments? Were you ever in, interested in particular kinds of music or making or making mixtapes or have any experience with that? Or did you come into it kind of from the event side and that was your entryway? You know what I mean? No, I had... Um, really gotten into music starting at like nine or ten years old starting to listen right. to electronic music starting with um old like avici's first album and okay. with even when like dubstep when skrillex was like releasing <laughs> he's like, saying he's nine or ten and i was like well into my 30s yeah no it was like 2009 2010 when avici <laughs> dropped that had like uh, levels? uh le no levels was 2011 it was uh my feelings for you snus like all of that other uh like that original just like progressive album that he dropped that was like barely any vocals so before he got super yeah no like that's the first out al like album that i like fell in love with completely okay. um and so i started listening to that and i was like that weird kid in middle school who was everyone was listening to like pitbull and i was over here listening to like trance music. All, these, all, all the all this music with no words in it yeah, yeah exactly and i was like sitting on the bus or like sitting in class like with you know the like with an ipod and like the old earbuds and just you know playing that and everyone's like oh have you heard like the new like whatever like jay sean i'm like no 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 sorry i've been listening to a six-hour carl cox trance <laughs> um, but yeah no and then i got into like carl cox and um started you know deep diving more in electronic music and then levels came out and in 2011 then david getta dropped his album nothing but the beat and all and then electronic music kind of like formed into like this poppy dancey like that was mainstream pop for years like five years calvin mm -hmm. harris david guetta um avici was producing for all of the, like they were all producing for all these people cashmere um, swedish house, swedish house mm -hmm. yeah so you know when and that started now everyone's looking at me like oh is this the dance stuff you were talking about i'm like not quite but like it's close right. you're getting there um and that just kind of took off dj and i bought my first dj equipment at, like Started like doing stuff with my laptop at like 13, bought my first little controller at 14 and just kind of went from there. Nice. So did you hear this stuff on the radio first or were you exposed to it like like friend or family or? I just, I honestly was just kind of looking on YouTube for music <laughs> and was just kind of like, who's a v like, who's a Vici? Like, oh, mm -hmm. this is cool. And I went on it and played it and I was like, I really like this. Like, this is weird and new and interesting. So I started doing that and um that what, i just kept what, were you, what were you listening to before that like just basic pop okay. for the most part like it wasn't it wasn't until that first avg album where i like started actually like getting into dance music hmm. um but yeah like my family wasn't into dance music anything like my mom did theater stuff um all of her life and my dad was an elvis impersonator was, so it was like what was pop nice. when you were growing up pop when i was growing up it <sighs> I mean, like same stuff, like Kesha, dr like dr like that. That was like the pop music. That was okay. like Kesha, Pitbull, like those, like those songs, Rihanna. Okay. Like that was like pop music when I was like eight, nine, ten, eleven, and then, yeah, I was born in two thousand. So that so. was my clubbing days. Yeah, 
and that was my like i said dead smack in my 30s in the middle of my military career days <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no so that was that was me growing up and then like 2014 was when i really started like getting really really into it and cool trying to mix it and then sending emails to people like hey i'm a dj and they're like how old are you 14 no <laughs> sorry yeah. so was it just the music that itself that made you want to take that next step into becoming a dj well yeah like watching like live streams of ultra actually was like the first thing i was like i want to do that and um it's crazy because this year i got to go to ultra for the first time and like see my yeah music we were week. just talking about that. Yeah, yeah like for the first time ever like i've been old enough to actually experience miami music week fully mm -hmm. um so i was like this is insane but no i started watching like uh martin garrick's 2014 ultra set actually he, and uh, he that, was what, like sixteen or something, or when, when, when he first came yeah, on the no, scene. When he, yeah, no, when yeah, in twenty fourteen at his ultra, set, I think he was like sixteen, seventeen years yeah. old, playing ultra main stage, which is nuts. Yeah, that's uh, I shocked, but yeah, no, that's sad. I was like, whoa, I was so blown away by him last year, like uh, it was amazing. Yeah, no, he is somebody. He's one of the artists who kind of like you'll have artists that like don't evolve with everything and like kind of mm. drop off and he just hasn't done that like right. he's stayed relevant through everything same with tiestos and with all these other guys like mm -hmm. they just kind of keep going with whatever is popular right tiesto is a great example of someone he's just somehow managed to stay relevant for a, he's like the run dmc years. of he, you yeah. know, electronic he was music, relevant right? before i knew about mm -hmm. trans music <laughs> yeah no it's he's like he i mean the dude i think he played at the olympics in like 2000 yeah so like going from that 22 years later now still playing ultra main stage yeah. and still playing at these huge festivals is ridiculous and then being relevant across multiple generations mm -hmm. as well you know? yeah no it's and, and styles too yeah now he's like doing the deep house stuff that is trending all over everywhere and all of it the, like the business and the motto like the two songs that he released in the past couple of years have been like they're you can play them in any bar in any city and people will know them you know who shocks me that just seems to keep going and going is Armin Van Buren. Oh, for yeah. like, I feel like he's like single-handedly holding up <laughs> the trance music scene. Like, I mean, he, I think he played like three sets at Ultra this year. Yeah, like did three separate sets on the. I think he did two on the mega structure and one on the main stage, which is insane. I mean, we used to give him, or I used to give him a hard time for playing that fluffy unicorn. Rainbows and unicorn. Trance music yeah. and stuff, but God bless him for still doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's still killing it. I mean, great, great artist through so, and through. So you said you were 14 years old and sending out emails saying, hey, I'm a DJ. Yeah. Well, tell, tell, tell us what that was like. Um, I mean, honestly, I, well, it was a lot of, I didn't really get, so actually, so Jeff White at Prime Social, this is what like kind of brought me to PSG is when I was sending out all these emails, um, Jeff White was the one who hit, like emailed me back. Um, and I was like, Hey, um, you know, I'm a D like DJ. And at this point I'm like 15 mm. and I'm like, uh, I was on spring break in Florida and uh i get an email back from him and he's like yeah i would like you know we're not looking for any djs at the time at the moment but like we're looking for people to like if you want to like sell tickets if you want to be a promoter and for me at 15 that was like the coolest thing ever so mm. i was like absolutely and i'm started in the doing industry that. no yeah, yeah like it was my foot in the door i was yeah, like okay this sure. is awesome i'm gonna run with this and i'm gonna do as much as i can with it um yeah and then i started selling tickets and um uh, that was in at that time we had to collect cash for tickets mm -hmm. so i was like driving around, as soon as i got my license i was like driving around to people picking up cash 
um, and then bringing that to the bank. The bank actually investigated me. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. You'd be I coming up in, with these fat wads. No, I brought in I brought in twenty thousand dollars worth of ones, fives, tens, twenties, and fifties, and like the occasional hundred, in a plastic bag. <laughs> like a Ziploc, like a like a big Ziploc bag. You hadn't learned discretion. Kind of you, hadn't, you hadn't learned discretion just yet. No, yeah. no. And I I walked in and I was like, hey, I need a cashier's check, made out to this person for you know twenty two thousand dollars in cash. And these do, these people are the, looking the at me like, like he's nine one. Yeah, no. He well, so it's funny because they like so they they're like oh like like what are you doing like whatever they were asking me questions and you weren't even thinking about it because no, you, you were working no yeah. I was like I was like oh this is probably totally normal to them yeah. um, so I apparently so we went back to the bank that same bank like it's the bank right down the street from my house and same guys there he's still like he'll still call me ticket kid because <laughs> every time he sees me he's like we actually like opened up a file on you and started like digging in on research and they looked at your social media they looked through everything and we're like oh he's just selling music festival tickets yeah. like like he, he's literally just selling tickets yeah. we were yeah. selling peanut been... m and <laughs> <laughs> selling fucking breakaway yeah. that should have been your dj name <laughs> ticket, ticket, kid. Kid. ticket kid ticket yeah. kid yeah that's actually yeah it's got a ring to it yeah. no yeah the dj name thing though like i still i don't know why like so, tell, so share that with us. We were talking a little bit off camera before yeah. that. So, you know, most people like have a name that's not necessarily close to their name. And unless your name is David Michael, you know, <laughs> correct. But, but, uh, so how did you share that story? Um, I was, it was the same thing with PSG. I was, uh, got booked on a silent disco, uh, for this Pepsi music factory event that we did with carnage and cheat codes and a bunch of other people and St. John. And St. John. Okay. Um, and, <laughs> Uh, it was right. It was my senior year of high school and it was the first time I had actually been billed at a PSG event and I hadn't really like thought about like a DJ name or anything like that. And, but did you have a bomb ass photo shoot done already? No. Okay. I had See, no, yeah. like <laughs> that, that's Tony. N number one step. Tony says bomb ass photo shoot. Bomb -ass. So I did that actually right after, um, cause I was like, Oh, okay. Well, so it's like three weeks before the event. And he's like, Hey, like, do you want to do the silent disco? Like I was opening up the silent disco. There were maybe four people there. And he was like, do you have a DJ name? I was like, no. And he goes, what's your middle name? And I was like, James. And he goes, Mitch James, that's your DJ name. It's on the bill. I was like, <laughs> You're like great. Don't I have cool. any say-so in guess, this? I guess, yeah. I, guess I just didn't have any say-so. So I was like, all right, I'm going with it. Cool. That's that's fine. And that kind of – and I just stuck with it. And it's recognizable. Yeah, absolutely. But it's funny now because people I meet who I met through school, who I met through the industry, like if they – don't know me personally but they see like a visual behind my head and whatever like i they're like oh like no one knows my last name so people will make checks out to Mitch oh, james <laughs> people will like make there's been so many like issues that have happened with that mm. that now i'm like i really should have just like like used my last name and sounded like i still was selling insurance maybe you could people register <laughs> mitch james llc and then you could still cash those checks true <laughs> i could do that i'm pretty sure there is another mitch james but yeah. it's like two words and mine's one, so I don't know if that's like a copyright know. infringement, but <laughs> we'll see. If I get a letter, like uh, if you, you, you see me switch my DJ name, you know what? <laughs> so, what do you like to play um, music wise, uh, stylistically? Um, I've kind of switched over the years, uh, like honestly. Like, I started with Big Room because that was like, like Big Room. I started with Trance actually, and then I went into Big Room because Big Room started popping off in like 2013, 2014. Yeah. So when I actually like started doing stuff on laptop and with a controller, it was bigger. Um, and then I switched more into like bass house after that. And then dub like melodic dubstep for a little bit. 
and uh, I've done a little bit of everything. It also kind of depends on like the room I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, honestly, like I love, um, like my favorite genre to like screw around with now is like the lane, like lane eight Rufus. Like I love like the deep melodic progressive okay. house and Juno deep okay. and Juno deep. Like yeah. I love that stuff. Now we're talking. And it it's like as I've kind of like listened to a bunch of different genres of electronic music, I find that like that's like. Those are the uh, sets that I've seen at festivals that I enjoy the most. Um, that's the music I like playing the most. Um, and then obviously, like, honestly, like, my one other genre besides that that I like playing is that new, like, uh, we were talking about off camera, the new, like, Morton David Guetta sound. Like, the future rave, because it does have a little bit of, like, trance elements to it. Uh, I was just going to ask, so you went into melodic dubstep for a while, and then you, it, it seems like if you're like me you're like trying to sneak in those trancey feelings with these new melodic sounds correct like what seven lions is doing now yeah hey, okay and um i love i still love like i love every genre of electronic music for the most part and melodic dubstep was really cool to play at festivals and to play like i open when we did haunted fest for the drive-in two years ago i open it was nightmare and i forget who was right i forget who else what it was but that set was all melodic dubstep and dubstep and after that i was kind of like yeah that was fun but like i kind of like i don't know i've always liked the house trance realm more than i've liked the dubstep mm. like realm. like i'll listen to it but like there's some stuff to me that i'm yeah. just like yo that's too that's too much <laughs> too much you seem to have this uh, affinity for trance and that's not something that we've seen a lot of yeah, for usually... people in your demographic so my, my curiosity is like how did you get such a passion for trance music when there's not a lot of it out there when there's so much other sound out there because trance it, i mean it's very it, it targets a specific group of people you know yeah. well it hasn't been big in the same way since like the like the rave era since like we were younger yeah you know. and like i i was a little too young for that but i caught the kind of the tail end of that but that's, yeah that's a great question that's like all i where, played in the 90s was trance what yeah. was what was your introduction i think that? that was uh, well my introduction would too was just digging on youtube and i found it but like the reason i liked it so much was because it was so different and because it wasn't played everywhere okay and that's that's absolutely that was true appeal, it kind of gave me like a like a nice little like it was it was a nice little getaway from everything so like all of my friends were listening to one thing and i could you know sit there and listen to something else and i could like be passionate about it without having like it, it felt like i was a little bit of an outcast and that's what i liked about it mm-hmm. and you know, I, the music itself is, there's nothing really like it. Like, there's nothing, like, you can listen to pop music, hip-hop music, and you can find, like, crossovers with everything. And it's all very, like, you know, with trance, it's, like, so uh, such a unique, like, experience when you're listening to it or when you're watching it at a concert. That's why I fell in love with it in the first place. Now, obviously, as I, you know, progressed and started listening to more different music and started DJing more, I fell in love with a lot of different, you know, genres or subgenres of electronic music but you know when it comes to trance like i still will listen to like if i'm driving carl cox set or i listen to a tale of us set or a solemn set mm. and or solomon um and we'll sit there and if i'm on a six-hour drive to chicago i'll listen to that's one carl cox set so i'm like <laughs> cool <laughs> like, that's perfect um, but i also liked how all the djs kind of like it wasn't like people still get super excited about something that's not insane. Like it's not like dubstep where it's like crazy 
all the time and it's like head it's more digestible and, yeah it's more digestible it's mm. more easy to listen to you can listen to it in your car you can listen mm. to it while you're coming, like working from like a pop background and liking pop music and going in like trance for me in the 90s was the same way it was my introduction to electronic music because it's what i could relate to easiest yeah. i couldn't relate to drum and bass <clears throat> it was too too grr, you yeah. know what I mean? It was too sporadic all over the place, but that's how I fell in love with trance. It was almost the same way. Yeah. And then dove in deeper. I feel like trance is a lot more melodic than yeah. most genres, subgenres. And that's why I like Yeah, drum and bass, I still can't do drum and bass. No? No, like, yeah. I mean, I can, but, like, if I'm, you know... If you're robbing play, a bank or something. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. something like that. Like, if I'm robbing a bank or, like... Racing a car. Nick James, B2B Firecast. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. Like, I don't know why. I just that's the one. Drum that's and bass. Dude, yeah. you said drum and bass. That's the one subgenre where I haven't actually like. I've listened to it a little bit, but I've never been able to like embrace it. it. Yeah, yeah, like I've never been able. Oh, that's to do fair. It. There is a lot going yeah. on in drum and bass. Yeah, you know? it took me a while, but once I found liquid drum and bass, I. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Shifter, if you're listening, post some recommendations for our guest in the comments below. If anybody can convert you, it's him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With yeah, a little no, bit of I'm fire open, cat sprinkled I'm, I'm, on the side. Yeah, yeah. I'm open to anything, but um yeah, from what I've heard of it and from what I've kind of put myself up is I've just been like I'm I don't say I'm not saying it's bad, it's just not my forte. Yeah. All right, the conversation with Mitch James continues just on the other side of this break, but I just want to take a quick second to remind you that if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, we also have a video version if you'd like to check that out. Actually, we have three separate YouTube channels, our main channel, our podcast channel, and our performances channel. Now, the easiest thing to do is just go to our main channel at youtube.com slash DJ and follow us there. Then you can scroll to the recommended channels and follow the other ones too if you want. Now, on the Performances channel, we've posted an exclusive Mitch James DJ mix, which you'll certainly want to check out. And, of course, don't forget, we also have merch. So head on over to PassionateDJ.com merch to get a Passionate DJ logo shirt or one of our custom designs, such as Deep House is for Lovers. Well, do you uh, listen to a lot of music outside of the electronic realm? Oh, yeah. You listen to like, hip hop or rock or? Um, I like alternative a lot. Yeah. Like so, Hosier, uh, the nineteen seventy five, like the basic alternative stuff. Um, Bad Sons. Uh, actually, a huge group that had a major influence was Twenty One Pilots. Okay. Um, yeah. And they're local to Columbus, which is also cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot. I like. I do a lot of open format stuff still. So oh, cool. where I DJ um, in Columbus, because Columbus doesn't have. This is the the one problem I have with Columbus as a music scene in general is we go don't on. have. <laughs> go on, sir. Yeah, yeah cause, no, because we have problems with Columbus yeah, no. too. <laughs> There's no, no one has taken. There, there are very few, almost no spots where like you can get the experience you get. Like that's why I was so like mind blown by Miami, because I'm like, oh everyone likes this style of music like there are 2,000 people in all of these nightclubs listening to house techno trance whatever and people love it but then you come here and i play a moderately poppy dance song anywhere and people look at me like i'm mm. you know but i play a hip-hop song roof comes off i started in the clubs here in dayton in 1991 the same thing that's happening then is happening now yeah, it's, it's, the same, it's the same thing it's like you can go to Miami, you can go to New York, you can go to all these big cities, and it's a vibe like that. But you come here, and it's 
you get into the underground and it's very pocketed. Yeah, no, it's very few and far between to yeah. see people. So that's why, like, in order for a lot of Columbus DJs who might be some who would be listening to this or just a who, lot. like, yeah. if you are <laughs> passionate about electronic music and you love electronic music, there's not a venue in really in Columbus where you can express that. So if you want to DJ in Columbus and you want to pay your rent from DJing, you have to play open format. It's the only way to do it in the are city. Are you familiar now. with a place called The Cave that they just started? I'm actually not, no. So Aaron Austin. Do you know Aaron yeah, Austin? Yeah, I he, do know Aaron Austin, yeah. A very good friend of ours, the podcast, him, Toby, all those guys. They're all run 614. Yeah. My buddy Nick, they um, they have a place called The Cave. It's in the basement of a place, but it's like 150 people, house music, deep. It's a vibe. Um, I should connect you with No, them. yeah, I would yeah. love that. Because that, that's, <clears throat> that's something that like we don't like, like in places like miami obviously they have more of that's more of the culture there mm-hmm. um dance music is more heavily ingrained there than it is in columbus ohio um but you know it's like even places like charlotte north carolina or like other places that pop up across the u.s like they actually have really good a very very good dancing mm-hmm. um with columbus though it's like hard it's very very do- it might also because be because of ohio state being right in it's the a very big of- college it's a very big college, so they really like the they like the progressive, big roomy mainstream, stuff. Still, yeah, the mainstream, stuff. the mainstream, de- which I don't have a problem with at all. Like right. I, you know, when people are like, "Oh, that's not underground enough for me," I kind of laugh, because <laughs> I'm like, it, it, like it's still like it might not be underground enough for you, but it's still dance music. Mm-hmm. Right, like it's right. still like when yeah. people, like people get annoyed when people when anyone is like oh yeah like he play, he only plays like tiesto tracks or he only plays martin garrix tracks i'm like it's still dance music like mm-hmm. i still have fun listening to it i still right. love listening to it you got to start somewhere yeah, yeah and you have to like like there's no issue with that being popular i'd rather have that be popular than have to play you know top 40 all right. night mm-hmm. long um but being able to kind of like experiment with dance which i like because i think people are curious about it because if i I'm at a place like I DJ a town hall in Columbus, which is not a nightclub, um, but it is a great spot. It's like a newer spot in Columbus, so it's um, not even two years old, and it's the it's a very open format style. And EV, I'm sure you know huh? EV. He um, sends me this playlist the first time I'm looking at it, and I'm like, so like the playlist literally went and went like Jonas Blue. Kongs like this girl by Kongs like the song that went viral and then it was like Ramblin' Man and then a bunch of Michael Jackson tracks and then so it's the most like extreme open format that I've ever seen in my life but I have so much fun with it because I can so like a wedding almost to an extent yeah but yeah. it's also it's an interesting place because at around 10 30 11 you can start bringing it up and then that's when you can get away with playing you know dance tracks mm-hmm. And when people hear you at a place like Town Hall, which doesn't have any production, doesn't have any crazy lights, play a dance track or a dance remix of a song that they know that's not mainstream, people freak out. Hmm. And that's the best crowd reactions I get. Like, I'll play Miley Cyrus and everyone will look at me like I'm an idiot. And then I'll play a dance track that nobody knows, Mm -hmm. but, like, it sounds good and Mm -hmm. people will go nuts. So I think the curiosity is there. I think we just don't have. That gives me hope. Yeah. 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 Right. You know, and I was going to, you kind of answered a question I was going to ask you because Tony talks about when he used to play open format back in the day. And if he played anything remotely close to a dancey track, something that wasn't on the playlist, like oh, you get- the manager came and was like, no, 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 no. You know, before 1230, once they're drunk and they're grooving, you can get up to the 126, 127s yep. and start. Yep. 
start combining a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It was, I mean, the same thing back in the 90s. It was the R&B and the hip-hop and your, um, fuck, I don't even remember what was popular as far as, like, pop back in that day. Like, 112, salt and Peppa, all that type of stuff. But mm-hmm. then 130 hit, now you're talking about Rosala, everybody's free, and <laughs> boom, there it is, and all the 130 and above yeah. going into some of that. But And that's what I'm still playing now at yeah. Town Hall. Like, that, that era, like that era of music those like five ten years that's Mm -hmm. still what they want to hear at play like yeah and and just everywhere and i'm starting to notice that at weddings like the new old school is like that uh like that era like anywhere from now it's it's scooted up from like the 80s it's up to like the late 90s and up to like 2010 like that start that's called that's the old school now yeah it's starting to be the old school now so we're classic yeah so because i what (laughs) was it uh Oh yeah, I started dropping all this Timberland stuff one night, and like people just started losing their shit, and I was Ooh. like, "Oh, yeah, I guess I, like I know that. where Timberland, I'm going." No, t- that's it, a great. Know. Wow, I'm gonna have to use that. Yeah, all that Timberland era stuff when he was doing collabs with everybody. That's yeah. starting to hit now. I, that always worked. I think people have just forgotten. Oh, I have. <laughs> yeah. I never no, forgot. I would, agree yeah. with that. I would agree with that 100. percent I think people like all. Uh, that's why I like going through like all my old playlists when I used to, because like I said, I'm very broad when it comes to like genres of music that I'll listen to. Mm-hmm. But obviously, like when I was 11 and 12, I was still listening to the dance pop, dancey pop music. And then when I'm in front of crowds, like play at places like Town Hall or at even like college bars or wherever, I'm like, oh yeah, I forget they grew up at the same time as me. Mm-hmm. If so I you're, play you're, this, you're pertinent. They, yeah, you, yeah, you, you were an actual vessel of like what's pertinent for this crowd. Right yeah, now. so yeah. like I'm like, oh, I remember this song, but like it's not, it might not be on this playlist, but I remember this song. Let's see if everyone, and then like you play it, and everyone's like, I haven't heard the song in five years. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna scream it. Yeah, and that's why I like. I mean, and that's where like my like why I honestly do like playing open format is because I can get away with playing any song. Yeah, yeah, like I can play whatever. Like it's obviously you have to follow like a set. Like I can't walk into like a like a relaxing dinner scenario and play drop some Slayer. Dr- yeah, no, I can't. Or like I can't. I, I can't play like a bunch of trance or techno music because people are gonna look at me like I'm certifiably insane. Right. But, <laughs> but you're smart enough to know that. Yeah, though. exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's you know. <laughs> and it also has probably made me a really honestly a better DJ being able to play open format because you're thrown into these rooms and you're like. It could be insane, and everyone loves dance music on a Friday, and on Saturday, everyone loves rock, like pop or alternative or hip hop or whatever genre that that crowd is more invested in. It literally it depends on the night. Yeah, so, and it only takes a maybe seven to ten people to sway that needle. Yeah, in any given direction, you get one table standing up buying bottles and screaming songs. Everyone else is kind of like, "I want to do that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm playing for those girls right over there. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, I mean, I think hopefully, hopefully, within the next like two to three years, the dance music scene ups itself a little bit here. Um, gives DJs a little bit more freedom to play in front mm-hmm. of crowds that they. I think, like, I think. In this city, we have a lot of talented DJs that don't necessarily have the outlet to show that. Mm-hmm. So they have to go different places, and that's why you see a lot of these DJs like traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and it's also hard to make money if you're playing house music in Columbus. You have For to go sure. other places if you want to get paid to play a lot of house music or just electronic music in general. You have to either play at a college bar where you're playing progressive house the whole time, or you have to go to a different city. Mm. Hmm. So, given your age, like, 
looking at like our era, you know, we're all, you know, 30. You're, you're, are you 40 yet, Dan? Not yet. Yeah. I, I'll turn 39 this year. Yeah. So okay. like, we'll, we'll just say for argument's sake, 40 plus, like looking at what, what we went through and what we did and like working with us and learning from us and talking to us. Like, what do you see is the difference between like your generation of DJs and, and what we, and, and the guys that uh, came ahead of you? Do you it's want, almost like two generations. Do, really. do you want me, do you want me to give the honest answer? Yeah, for I'm sure. At this out. Um, your guys's generation of DJs were DJs. Thank okay. you. Okay. My generation, my generation. I thought that was going the other way. No, my generation <laughs> of DJs, uh, I'm not going to say it's everybody at all, but keep in mind, you guys were D like when you guys started social media, wasn't a thing. Instagram wasn't a thing. TikTok wasn't a thing, whatever. So these DJs now, they're not only creating, they're not only music artists, or even if they don't produce, they're not only DJs. They're also their brand. You ha yeah, exactly. You have to brand everything, but there's also a flip side of that where people might be a brand and then decide they want to be a DJ. So that's when you pre-record a set and you get on stage and you press play and, and you're in you cheerlead. Yeah, exactly. So I think my generation of DJs, it's more, I literally always say it's 50, 50, it's 50% of people who do it for the music and they love the music and they want to mix it or produce it or do something with it. And the branding comes second. And, um, and then you have the people who get up there because they want it for reasons, whether it be, you know, they like the attention, whatever, and they get up on stage and they pre-record a set or they don't know how to DJ, which is fine. But when you make that your personality and then when you conti like continuously dog on people who might not <laughs> have a insane brand behind them, it, it, you know, it creates this divide in the music scene. And I, it's not just in this city or in around like in the generation. It's literally the difference when I see guys who grew up when you guys grew up DJ, it's it's technical. It's good. It's it's smart. It's there's an art to it. And I see guys my age sometimes, or girls my age, DJ, it's 50%. I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, that's really good. Like, that's that was a great, like, set. <laughs> or other times I'm like, no, that was, <laughs> that was terrible. Well, I, I, I got to say, as much as I appreciate hearing that, to in the interest of fairness, if you're... If you're hearing DJs now who have been who are old school DJs, they've stuck around. They've done their time. They we had shitty DJs in my oh, time. Oh yeah, no, they I'm had sure. DJs yeah, no, in their I'm sure. Time, and they fall off. I just I just think social media has ruined it a lot of for see, a lot of people. I see. Because like for me, like like I can guarantee you, like I technically believe I'm a good DJ. Like hmm. technical, like skills wise, yes. Are there people in the city that? are better technically than me absolutely 100 percent. that's where people get screwed up because they automatically think because people on social media tell you they're the best or like whatever that you're like the best i guarantee you they're probably in the confines of columbus ohio there might be 50 to 50 better technical djs than people who are headlining at all of the clubs or bars in columbus and have all the residencies there but they it's all marketing yourself it's all connecting yourself it's all knowing the right people that gets you branding to that point exactly selling tickets you know i was um before psg well when psg came in i was direct support for all of disco donnie shows like yeah. I, direct support for david Guetta, vici twice uh tiesto david Guetta on thanksgiving night at bluestone in front of a, full, a sold out crowd but like after after a while like i 
I wasn't that guy because I'm not that guy. Yeah. You know? Mm. So. And that's a, like, yeah, it's a weird, I've seen that with a lot of people mm-hmm. that that's happened to like people who were direct support on festivals like five years ago who dropped off the face of the earth and which it, like it's either because they're done with it. They're just like, I'm not doing this anymore. Or it's because they didn't like, there are a lot of guys that don't want to do the branding side, which is right. understandable. Yeah. They're like, I'm in this for the music. I don't want to have to deal with the whole, like making a social media. The, know, the whole presence. scene became like for it, it, it became more about this than this. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, and I'm 99% this. And I may look up once or twice at you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, and it's like, I get it. That's what they want. And I couldn't fulfill that position anymore because. I think there's an added layer of toughness when you're the type of DJ who wants to mix subtly and wants nuance and and pays super close attention like that. And like, is super t- like talk into with, the talk mixer. with your hands, mm-hmm. like all yeah. that yeah. stuff that like 99% of the people out there don't really don't care appreciate. about. Yeah. Correct. You know, and it's it's tough because now there's an extra layer of that, like, oh, now I got to play what they're expecting. I, I don't mm-hmm. have time to get into the <laughs> yeah, no, and the guts of that's it, you know? honest. Like, I've had to find a good balance because for the first little bit, like, I didn't take my hands off the decks, and then I got to I, I DJ. I still do midway a little bit, but I I started there when I was eighteen, like seventeen, eighteen, um, which is a college bar in Columbus. Mm-hmm. And they have this crazy production. I mean, they have a festival-sized stage outside. It's ridiculous. But they didn't when I was there. It was a black box bar <laughs> with a strobe light and, like, running lights that you would just flip a switch and they would just run on rotation. Um, now it's, like, a whole, like, production in there. Um, but when I started doing that, it was like, oh, like, they don't care what, like, a mm. bunch of, like, 18 to 24 year or 22, they don't care what I'm mixing or how I'm mixing or how technical I am. So I had to kind of, you know, learn how to use a mic, learn how to, mm. you know, be a performer instead of just a DJ. And that was a really hard transition to make. But, you know, when you're put it, when you're outside and I oh, get this, we call it the block stage. But when you're outside and there's 1200 people in front of you and they're all in that 18 to 22 demographic and they all want to hear the songs that they hear every time, but you want to play a certain thing, you have to kind of please both. Yeah. So putting new spins, but also being a performer and you you know having the co2 and like you know getting up on the table and talking in the mic and getting everyone excited like finding the balance of that is super difficult so for a while there it was like i don't want to take my hands off the you know decks but after a while and then i had to transition into okay like i still have to be good at what i'm doing but i can't just stick on the decks the and, whole time and is that when you learned to count to four <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i think it's funny though i feel like D- i feel you guys will probably all understand this as a dj you have a weird sense of how much time you have left if you are not touching the decks like you could not be looking at anything you could just be listening to a song and i know immediately i'm like okay i have about 45 seconds left of this track or like you, you just like inherently know yeah how much time you have left without even looking at anything and i think we kind of had to grow up with that because the only thing you could really look for as a point of reference is the grooves. Yep. You know, when you see that's <laughs> ridiculous to me, that's ridiculous to me. Cause I'm like, I'm thinking about that. Like I like, okay. And this is uh, like when people like shit on laptop DJs, I'm like, yeah, but like also like I started on a laptop and a new Mark controller. So like I, that's how I started. I mean, using the technology that was available to me, but, and it was cheaper than buying 
turntables mm-hmm. and vinyl. Um, but and for a 14 year old where my only income was Christmas and birthday money, <laughs> I, I started on a laptop. Yeah, no, but like that's the thing is like um, you can still DJ with a laptop and have and be a good DJ, like mm-hmm. good techno, but. Where you fall into the trap is, oh, there's an auto mix feature on Rekordbox. Yeah. Oh, there's a, you know, it is very easy to just make a set on Ableton now. It's mm-hmm. very easy. It's almost too easy to make a set on Ableton um, or anything else. Yeah. So we've had, we've asked other DJs this question and just kind of want to get your take. Uh, so you talked about things like auto mix and all that stuff. And, you know, I think we all agree as far as the three of us, like they're, they're tools. Yeah. You know, and we've had DJs come on here and just vehemently say, you know, it's a tool. If they don't like it, fuck them. You know, <laughs> <laughs> shout out Mr. Shifter. Um, <laughs> but how do you feel about like these? What? How do you look at these things? Uh, yeah, it does make it easier to a certain extent, but if there's still a lot of things that have to go right in order for those things to make you. Uh, it's the sync button question. Yeah, the sync button question. <laughs> but there's still a lot of okay. things that have to go right in Here. order for that to work. Yes, correct. I think to an extent those are the tools available to you. However, like I, I think the sync button's fine. Like, and I'm going to, people who hear me say that might hate me. Uh, but I think the sync button is fine because you can actually, the way you can do cool, like drop tempos, ri- raise tempos and do it with the same songs and make cooler transitions out of them is really cool. So if I'm taking a song that's 126, I want to transition it to the original vocal track of that remix at 98. I can bring the 126 down. Uh, I can start the 98 track at 126 match them up and then bring it down mm-hmm. and it'll like it'll go with each other mm-hmm. and that way it's an easier transition but what i don't like like i don't think there's any need to sync house music mm. like, it, is, it is what it is it is yeah. what it is like <laughs> i don't i don't think i don't think you need to hit sync if you're mixing One, 127 what, 126 and 126 <laughs> like if you can't beat match a little bit and like at least adjust a little bit like there's an issue um but do i have a problem with i do obviously in this day and age too half the times people are pre-recording or auto mixing is because it's especially big name djs and their set their visuals are time coded right mm-hmm. so with that with that i'm like okay like obviously when you're playing at a crazy festival you they want you to play your the song you have 60 minutes to play all of your biggest songs and all of your new music and have outstanding visuals because that live stream is going to be watched and the festival is going to be watched by millions of people okay play your auto like the set and do the visuals and that makes sense because in that case you are also building a brand it's like oh that those visuals were ridiculous but when it's club djs or people doing Mo- like small intimate stuff and if you're you know pre-recording a set or you're auto mixing in that case i'm like then why are you like plugging your phone at that point yeah what's the point yeah plug in your phone play a spotify it. playlist hit shuffle trying to get those steps you. in man you know come on. <laughs> <laughs> i will say dj i'm pretty sure dj has kept me built my metabolism <laughs> and also taken years off of my life with lack of sleep but, um yeah no i have no problem i know a lot of a bunch of djs who you know have experimented with it and i just i personally find the whole art of it being doing it live so even if i am using sync or if i am using something it, it i do it with, for a purpose not just to make it easier on myself so so um what's next i mean you you've you're fairly young and so, you've had a pretty decent career so far you know you, you can't even rent a car yet 
No, I can't rent a car. Yeah. Well, they charge you an underage fee. I've had, I have I have had to rent a car once. They charge you an underage fee, but you can still rent it. It's just really expensive. It's yeah. unnecessarily expensive. I'd rather just do Uber. But with you being so young and you've already had a lot of experience, like, where are you going next? That's a good question. I mean, I love what I do now, um, both in the music space and the other side of it, doing, you know, helping out with artist management and with Breakaway in general and Prime Social Group. I love that company and I love be building music festivals, not also not necessarily being the one on stage. Mm. Um, I also love DJing. That's, you know, why I got into this industry in the first place. Um, so I don't know. I think, well, I think we'll see where it goes. Um, I, I like where it, it honestly just kind of depends on what city I'm in one and two, like kind of if i want to transition to just being a dj or if i want to just transition to being the business side of dj occasionally so it's interesting and it's funny that you bring up age though because i think that a lot of people when i tell them i'm you know i'm 21 i turned 22 in two weeks people get and especially when i was 18 19 people would get like like really upset verbally angry yeah like verbally like like chew me out like like you, like you getting, had something to do with it like because yeah. i was getting other than like being a good dj yeah no because i was getting <laughs> so they would look at a lineup and they'd be like oh like like oh i'm it's like a 30 year old dude playing you know third to close like or third to direct mm -hmm. and i'm playing direct on a show and i'm 19 and he's like oh i've been doing this you know like 18 years this 19 year old kid's been doing it for like five years and he's open like direct support and they would get upset and i've gotten oh i mean i've gotten some nasty texts and emails we're, we're, we're not those djs yeah. no yeah no i know that but sounds it's like just, a them problem <laughs> no exactly but that that's what surprised me honestly because i'm like for the first couple of years everyone was so supportive because i was you were young because i was young and i was playing like the opening 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 slot like yeah. i was playing in front of two people everyone's like hey man good set and then i started playing better sets and everyone's like oh yeah hey fuck you kid <laughs> like, like no you were cool until you're you weren't you, you yeah, were yeah, cool yeah. until you were playing the spot that I want and now you're an asshole so I had to kind of get a chip on my shoulder a little bit and mm -hmm. kind of like kind of like present myself in a way like yeah. not as like a like a wide-eyed kid anymore I kind of had to like snap out of it and be like wow okay people don't like the fact that I'm that young people might mm -hmm. act like it and be like oh that's really impressive and then they'll turn around and be like that's mother yeah it's like, oh, that mother I got needles older than this kid. Yeah, I've heard that one actually. I've, they're like, I've, I have decks older than you. I'm like, well, yeah, no, but I kind of had to just, you know, get a thick skin with that stuff because when you like, um, a lot of guys who I like looked up to for a while, um, not even just in Colum well, mostly in Columbus, but like, would it, when I started like actually, you know, playing bigger shows and playing festivals and doing everything, would. I would hear things and I'd be like, oh, I don't know about that. And like, I don't know. I've never like, talked what? to this kid yeah. before. And then I, I I'd meet him in person. I'd be like, Hey man. And like, they would look at me like with this, like just distaste. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm sorry for being young. And, uh, but like, once again, there are there DJs in the city that are better than me? Absolutely. I'm aging as hard as I can. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, but like, I just happen to be like, I happen to put myself in a situation where, I met guys like you, Tony, and guys like the PSG guys, and, um, you know, proved my, like, and I could sell tickets. And as much as that sucks to hear for some people, like, when you're starting out as a DJ, you gotta sell tickets. You gotta get people in the room, and people will 
and then prove yourself in that aspect. And then once they trust you with that, then it's like easier to do it. Because yeah, if nothing else, you've proven you can sell tickets. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's then that's huge. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. It's, it's huge. Bottom line. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I think there's a there's a line that has to be drawn between like art, being an artist and being a promoter. Um, if you if your music like my aspect on it is or my opinion is if your music or your personality if your brand can sell tickets by itself and you don't have to have a promo code or anything by all means headline effect like headline a show or you know do everything but you know until you get to that point there is no shame in grinding and selling tickets for your spot right because that i think if you know if people i think people get the false sense of confidence where they're like oh like enough people know who i am i don't have to try to sell tickets to this and get, and get mad when this up-and-coming dj has direct support up. or yeah. like or even like plays a bit better slot on a festival and they're like oh like what and they're like oh well see he sold 200 tickets to this festival and made us x amount of money and you sold two tickets to this festival because you just assumed that everyone was going to come. I mean, and, you had, we, and you had five people on list. Yeah. Why, why do we? <laughs> why do we book headliners? Why do we book bands and venues to sell tickets? To sell yeah. tickets to make money. It's the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. So but, if they and, don't get it, then. Yeah. Exactly. But like, uh, there's also a line where I think there are sometimes there are DJs who will sell tickets. Their name will sell tickets, and it might not show up on a promo code. But sheet, at the bottom line, it's still about selling tickets. It's still about selling tickets. Mm -hmm. Whether You're it's right. the name or the person doing it, it's about the tickets. Correct. Sales. Yeah, correct. So yeah, and that's why I do, I do like playing soft ticket shows. Yeah. Like like just in the door shows because yeah. I'm like I don't have to worry about that. I just show up and plug <laughs> in, and it's a full room right here yep. for the taking. I'm like this is perfect. Yeah. But yeah, hard ticket shows have always been harder to yeah. get, for sure. Yeah. Well, well, thanks for spending some time with us. Can you give everybody your socials where they can find you? Yeah. No. So my Instagram is Mitch James Official, um, Patent Penny. Um, <laughs> and then honestly, that's pretty much all I use. Any mixes or anything? Any there? mixes? So mixes are on SoundCloud. Um, it's just Mitch James, one word. Um, but yeah, no. And I'm excited to kind of, you know play some music and, and then see what you guys think of that as you well. got any dates for the summer that you're going to be um, i'm every saturday at town hall in columbus okay. for the foreseeable ever um <laughs> and then there's a new spot opening up in columbus called mandrake and that's going to be a really cool spot and i'll be djing there and then um other than that uh probably hopefully some festivals in the fall um and some i got my actually last ever set of midway for senior cross so that'll be a little oh. heartwarming heartwarming experience um but yeah, and then just PSG events. You'll see me at every single one of them. For sure. Every single breakaway. And you'll see Tony, too. So you can of come course. visit us both. Yeah. yeah. Only it's like a hundred and some odd dollar ticket to see us both. So. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you making the, the trek here to yeah, come do this sure. in oh, studio. We hey. like doing it in studio whenever we can. Yeah, so. I love it. It's a great place. I'm excited to play some music. Yeah, uh, yeah let's get yeah, it. Let's do, do it. it. All right. So that brings this week's episode to a close. Wash your damn hands and keep on spinning. Peace.